Chapter sixty four of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafanu. Chapter sixty four. Being a night scene in which Miss Gertrude Chatsworth being adjured by aunt becky makes answer in aunt becky's mind the time could not be far off when the odd sort of relations existing between the belmont family and mr dangerfield must be defined the crisis himself indeed was very indulgent he was assiduous and respectful but he wisely abstained from pressing for an immediate decision and trusted to reflection and to aunt becky's good offices and knew that his gold would operate by its own slow but sure gravitation at one time he had made up his mind to be peremptory and politely to demand an unequivocal yes or no but a letter reached him from london it was from a great physician there whatever was in it the effect was to relieve his mind of an anxiety he never indeed looked anxious or moped like an ordinary man in blue devils but his servants knew when anything weighed upon his spirits by his fierce short maniacal temper but with the seal of that letter the spell broke the evil spirit departed for a while and the old jocose laconic irony came back and glittered whitely in the tall chair by the fire and sipped its claret after dinner and sometimes smoked its long pipe and grinned into the embers of the grate at belmont there had been a skirmish over the broiled drumsticks at supper and the ladies had withdrawn in towering passions to their nightly devotions and repose Gertrude had of late grown more like herself, but was quite resolute against the Dangerfield alliance, which Aunt Becky fought for, the more desperately that in their private confidences under the poplar trees she had given the rich cynic of the silver spectacles good assurance of success. Puddock drank tea at Belmont, nectar in Olympus that evening was ever lieutenant so devoutly romantic he had grown more fanatical and abject in his worship he spoke less and lisped in very low tones he sighed often and sometimes mightily and ogled unhappily and smiled lackadaisically the beautiful damsel was in her high cold way kind to the guest and employed him about the room on little commissions and listened to his speeches without hearing them and rewarded them now and then with a gleam of a smile which made his gallant little heart flutter up to his solitaire and his honest powdered head giddy i marvel brother ejaculated aunt becky suddenly appearing in the parlour where the general had made himself comfortable over his novel and opening her address with a sharp stomp on the floor the veteran's heart made a little jump and 
he looked up over his gold spectacles i marvel brother what you can mean desire or intend by all this ogling sighing and love-making tis surely a strange way of forwarding mr dangerfield's affair he might have blustered a little as he sometimes did for she had startled him and her manner was irritating but she had caught him in a sentimental passage between lovelace and miss harlow which always moved him and he showed no fight at all but his innocent little light blue eyes looked up wonderingly and quite gently at her who i what ogling sister becky you tut that foolish ungrateful person lieutenant puddock what can you propose to yourself brother in bringing lieutenant puddock here i hate him why what about puddock what has he done asked the general with round eyes still and closing his book on his finger what has he done why he's at your daughter's feet cried aunt becky with scarlet cheeks and flashing eyes and she artful gypsy has brought him there by positively making love to him sweet upon tootie the general's old pet name for gertrude why half the young fellows are you know poo-poo and the general stood up with his back to the fire looking uneasy for like many other men he thought a woman's eyes saw further in such a case than this do you wish the young hussy do you to marry lieutenant puddock i should not wonder why of course her fortune you and she may give away to whom you like but remember she's young and has been much admired brother and may make a great match and in our day young ladies were under direction and did not marry without apprising their parents or natural guardians here's mr dangerfield who proposes great settlements why won't she have him for my part i think we're a little better than cheats and i mean to write to-morrow morning and tell the poor gentleman that you and i have been bamboozling him to a purpose and meant all along to marry the vixen to a poor lieutenant in your corps speak truth and shame the devil brother for my part i'm sick of the affair i'm sick of deception ingratitude and odious fools aunt becky had vanished in a little whirlwind leaving the general with his back to the fire looking blank and uncomfortable and from his little silver tankard he poured out a glassful of his mulled claret not thinking and smelled it deliberately as he used to do when he was tasting a new wine and looked through it and set the glass down forgetting he was to drink it for his thoughts were elsewhere on reaching her bedroom which she did with impetuous haste aunt becky shut the door with a passionate slam and said with a sort of choke and a sob there's naught but ingratitude on earth the odious 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 person and when ten minutes after her maid came in she found aunt rebecca 
but little advanced in her preparations for bed and her summons at the door was answered by a fierce and shrilly nose-trumpeting and a stern come in hussy are you deaf child and when she came in aunt becky was grim and fussy and her eyes red miss gertrude was that night arrived just on that dim and delicious plateau that debatable land upon which the last waking reverie and the first dream of slumber mingled together in airy dance and shifting colors when on a sudden she was recalled to a consciousness of her grave bedposts and damask curtains by the voice of her aunt sitting up she gazed on the redoubted aunt becky through the lace of her bonnet de nuit for some seconds in a mystified and incredulous way mistress rebecca chatsworth on the other hand had drawn the curtains and stood candle in hand arrayed in her nightdress like a ghost only she had on a pink and green quilted dressing-gown loosely over it she was tall and erect of course but she looked softened and strange and when she spoke it was in quite a gentle humble sort of way which was perfectly strange to her niece don't be frightened sweetheart said she and she leaned over and with her arm round her neck kissed her i came to say a word and just to ask you a question i wish indeed i do heaven knows to do my duty and my dear child will you tell me the whole truth will you tell me truly you will when i ask it as a kindness there was a little pause and gertrude looked with a pale gaze upon her aunt are you said aunt becky do you gertrude do you like lieutenant puddock lieutenant puddock repeated the girl with a look and gesture of a person in whose ear something strange has buzzed because if you really are in love with him gertie and that he likes you and that in short aunt becky was speaking very rapidly but stopped suddenly in love with lieutenant puddock was all that miss gertrude said now do tell gertrude if it be so tell me dear love i know tis a hard thing to say and aunt becky considerably began to fiddle with the ribbon at the back of her niece's nightcap so that she need not look in her face but gertie tell me truly do you like him and and why if it be so i will mention mr dangerfield's suit no more there now there's all i want to say lieutenant puddock repeated young madam in the nightcap and by this time the film of slumber was gone and the suspicion struck her somehow in altogether so comical a way that she could not help laughing in her aunt's sad earnest face fat funny little lieutenant puddock was ever so diverting a disgrace oh dear aunt what have i done to deserve so prodigious a suspicion it was plain from her heightened color that her aunt did not choose to be laughed at what have you done said she quite briskly why 
what have you done and aunt becky had to consider just for a second or two staring straight at the young lady through the crimson damask curtains you have you you why what have you done and she covered her confusion by stooping down to adjust the heel of her slipper oh it's delightful plump little lieutenant puddock and the graver her aunt looked the more irrepressibly she laughed till that lady evidently much offended took the young gentlewoman pretty roundly to task well i'll tell you what you have done she said almost fiercely as absurd as he is you have been twice as sweet upon him as he upon you and you have done your endeavour to fill his brain with the notion that you are in love with him young lady and if you're not you have acted i promise you a most unscrupulous and unpardonable part by a most honourable and well-bred gentleman for that character i believe he bears yes you may laugh madam how you please but he's allowed i say to be as honest as true as fine a gentleman as 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 ever surprised a weaver said the young lady laughing till she almost cried in fact she was showing in a new light and becoming quite a funny character upon this theme and indeed this sort of convulsion of laughing seemed so unaccountable on natural grounds to aunt rebecca that her irritation subsided into perplexity and she began to suspect that her extravagant merriment might mean possibly something which she did not quite understand well niece when you have quite done laughing at nothing you will perhaps be so good as to hear me i put it to you now young lady as your relation and your friend once for all upon your sacred honour remember you're a chatsworth upon the honour of a chatsworth a favourite family form of adjuration on serious occasions with aunt rebecca do you like lieutenant puddock it was now miss gertrude's turn to be nettled and to remind her visitor by a sudden flush in her cheek and a flash from her eyes that she was indeed a chatsworth and with more disdain than perhaps was quite called for she repelled the soft suspicion i protest madam said miss gertrude tis too bad truly madam it is vastly vexatious to have to answer so strange and affronting a question if you ever took the trouble aunt to listen to or look at lieutenant puddock you might well niece quoth aunt becky interrupting with a little toss of her head young ladies weren't quite so hard to please in my time and i can't see or hear that he's so much worse than others i'd sooner die than have him said miss gertie peremptorily then i suppose if ever and whenever he asks you the question himself you'll have no hesitation in telling him so said aunt becky with becoming solemnity laughable ridiculous comical and absurd as i always thought and believed lieutenant puddock to be i yet believe the asking such a question of me to be a stretch of absurdity from which his breeding for he is a gentleman will restrain him 
besides madam you can't possibly be aware of the subjects on which he has invariably discoursed whenever he happened to sit by me plays and players and candied fruit really madam it is too absurd to have to enter upon one's defence against so incredible an imagination and rebecca looked steadily for a few seconds in her niece's face then drew a long breath and leaning over kissed her again on the forehead and with a grave little nod and looking on her again for a short space without saying a word more she turned suddenly and left the room miss gertrude's vexation again gave way to merriment and her aunt as she walked sad and stately upstairs heard one peal of merry laughter after another ring through her niece's bedroom she had not laughed so much for three years before and this short visit cost her i am sure two hours good sleep at least end of chapter sixty four recording by john brandon